You know you've got a comeback in you. When you take the next step, you're going to make it count. For your career, for your family, for your life. You can earn a degree you're proud of with Purdue Global. Purdue Global is backed by Purdue University, one of the nation's most respected and innovative public universities. This is your chance. This is your opportunity. This is your comeback. Purdue Global, Purdue's online university for working adults. Start your comeback today at purdueglobal.edu. I'm Katia Adler, host of The Global Story. Over the last 25 years, I've covered conflicts in the Middle East, political and economic crises in Europe, drug cartels in Mexico. Now I'm covering the stories behind the news all over the world in conversation with those who break it. Join me Monday to Friday to find out what's happening, why, and what it all means. Follow The Global Story from the BBC wherever you listen to podcasts. Two-thirds of Americans are at risk to experience a blackout. Are you ready to protect your family? You could be with the Patriot Power Solar Generator 2000X. This new solar generator has double the capacity and is expandable, so you can run the big appliances like your fridge even longer. Best of all, this new solar generator is fume-free, safe to use inside, and never needs gas ever. Over 150,000 Americans trust Patriot Power Generators. Go to 4Patriots.com slash Lisa to get your solar generator now. You'll even get a solar panel included free. Go to 4Patriots.com slash Lisa. As we cover this fight for the speaker's gavel, what's really getting lost in a lot of the conversations that are happening is that this is also really a fight over process of how the House functions, how it should function. And the people opposing Kevin McCarthy, it's not just about McCarthy. I mean, yeah, you know, some of them really do have doubts about him, question him. Having, you know, the fact that he's been in uh, leadership and has been in a position of authority for so long, they don't trust him. But there's also the part of wanting changes to the process, of wanting changes to the things like the Rules Committee. So I wanted to have someone on to get into that process conversation. You know, the people who are listening, you guys are busy. You have a billion different things going on in your life. I wanted someone to walk through with us about why this stuff matters. So we're going to have... Dr. Kevin Roberts on the show in this episode. He is the president of the Heritage Foundation, the nation's premier conservative think tank on the show to to break down the process, why all this matters. For instance, even if you look at the $1.7 trillion omnibus bill, Congress doesn't do its job anymore. The reason why we have these massive omnibus bills like we did, $1.7 trillion, 4,155 pages that no one can read, because they're given, you know, hours to read it. It's because Congress failed to pass all of its appropriations bills. They failed to pass them for 26 straight years in a row. I mean, the last time Congress met the October 1st deadline was 1996. So why does this stuff matter? And it really does all matter, right? Because the problem what we've seen in America is this centralization of power. When the House cedes its authority, when it does things like even an omnibus bill, it leads to a broader centralization of power. In order to right the ship, in order to turn this country around, we need to make structural changes to the government, including the House, including Congress. So that's what I see this fight about. That's why I also think it's important. So we're going to talk to Dr. Kevin Roberts, president of the Heritage Foundation, of all of this. I think it's a really important conversation, and I hope you enjoy it. Kevin 
Kevin Roberts, president of the Heritage Foundation. Thanks so much for making the time to come on the show. I really appreciate it. It's my pleasure, Lisa. Thanks for everything you do. Oh, I appreciate what you do. And, you know, Kevin, we look at this fight right now of Kevin McCarthy coming up short uh, to get the, the speaker's gavel. Why do you think he has come up short? of 218? It boils down to a trust factor. And and there are two elements to that. The, the first is talking to members, as I, I know that you do, who are very thoughtful about it. These are people who are willing to, to see McCarthy be speaker. They have a very hard time, given the, his track record, and I mean that respectfully of him, to say that any any deal that they strike with him is going to be honored. And I think that's why this has taken so long. The second aspect is the, the perspective that I have as a lifelong movement conservative. And it's it's less about McCarthy in particular than it is about McCarthy kind of being the icon of a problem. And that is the Washington establishment, the swamp. And so all of the incentives in Washington, as you and your audience know well, are oriented around spending too much, giving K Street lobbyists way too much influence, letting them write bills. And this process has has taken a long time because, thank goodness, 20, 21 members of the House had the courage to stand up and say, regardless of what someone thinks about Kevin McCarthy, good or bad or in between, we are going to use this process to do the work of the people, which is to bring order back to the House. And, and that, to sum up here, was such a shock to the system, Lisa, that it really did grind the whole proceedings to a halt. I'm so gratified because it's one of the few times in the last 10 years that I've seen kind of regular people be able to take one to the swamp. Well, and I think that's what's sort of getting lost in the broader conversations, it seems like to me, is that this is a process fight, right? This is about changing the way Congress works, changing the way the House works, because we've really gotten away from the mission of what the House is supposed to do, the, the work these individuals that we send to Congress are supposed to do. You know, for instance, I know some of the, you know, some of the things that they're looking to change is just the balance of power on the rules committee. And I don't think people really realize just how much power the rules committee has in dictating the floor agenda, what they're voting on. So, you know, kind of get into some of these structural changes that these members are asking for and why that is important, why people should care about that. Yeah, I know when people hear the the phrase rules committee, their eyes glaze over and say that it's, it's D.C. speaking. To some extent, they would be right. But the, the way I have including some close friends, is it's like your family meeting, which, you know, in, in my experience happens on Sunday nights. And so the members of the rules committee fly into D.C. a day early and they basically set the agenda for House proceedings that week. The other aspect of that means that if the Rules Committee doesn't authorize a bill to be heard or committee proceedings to proceed, it doesn't happen. So you want to be on the Rules Committee if you want to exert the most influence in the chamber. The last aspect of this, which is the most relevant to all of these conversations surrounding McCarthy's speakership, is that conservatives have not had seats on the Rules Committee. And the most conservative of the, the House, the House Freedom Caucus, definitely haven't. So it is a would be a huge boon to conservative policy reform, which of course Heritage is interested in and to some extent leading, if there are more conservatives on the Rules Committee, there will be a direct correlation between their membership on that committee and seeing more conservative bills get to the floor. Well, and I think one of the, and, and that's why, you know, it's important because regardless who ends up being the speaker, why should anyone have absolute power, right? We don't want anyone in any position of authority in the United States to have absolute power. In fact, that's the antithesis of what the United States is supposed to stand for. You know, we need these checks and balances 
Uh, we need to balance out that power. And, you know, I, I think one of the other concerns, too, is the ability to make points of order on the floor uh, regarding amendments that aren't germane. And, and far too often what we see in, in Congress and what goes on in Capitol Hill is you've all these massive bills with so many things in it that aren't even relevant to like what the bill is supposed to be about. Uh, and, and that's how we get a lot of garbage that ends up getting passed through Congress. It's so true. I, I mean, this week I've, I've taken so many barbs, it's far fewer than the, than the 20 members for sure, but so many barbs for saying that this is not chaos or if it is chaos, it's welcome chaos because the real chaos to your point in the house has been, they haven't passed a budget in over a decade. They one member can't offer an amendment without getting permission from the speaker. For for Americans who just in their common sense say that doesn't make sense, they would be right because a well-functioning legislative body, especially one that is apportioned according to population, needs to be as little de-democratic uh, or as as democratic as it can. And and these rules stand in the way of an individual member being able to represent his or her constituents. So. What all of this is about is, is, as we like to say, returning to regular order. What regular order means is that you have a house that passes a budget. You have a house that actually, when it says it's going to give members three days to read a bill before they have to vote on it, does so. And a house where the committee agenda is posted. None of that has been going on. And the reason that none of that has been going on isn't just the terrible problem you mentioned, which is the centralization of power in the speaker's hands, personified by Nancy Pelosi, but something even more nefarious. And that is that K Street lobbying firms write bills and write the scripts of how those bill debates are going to go, which means there aren't any debates. All of this, while not a, a, a complete win yet, I think does signify that we're beginning, good guys are beginning to get grips on the swamp in, in terms of House rules and proceedings. And if we can convert that into some conservative policy wins, even if it's just two or three this spring, then I think we're beginning to take back Washington for the American people. Well, and what's interesting, too, is that, you know, we're talking about Congress, which has a, an atrocious approval rating. So the vast, vast, vast majority of Americans do not approve of the way that Congress does business. And then here you have people trying to change the way Congress does business <laughs> and they're getting attacked. So it's like, you know what I mean? It's it's kind of a, nothing makes sense <laughs> these days. No, it, it's like everything is inverted. You know, you're you, like you. My first reaction to all of this, I, I saw that this was was going to happen uh, New Year's Eve, New Year's Day was this is awesome. And then even friendly news outlets, friendly news commentators, friends to both of us. Their first responses, I thought, were really off base. I won't call them out because I, I think they were well-intentioned, but they were thinking, this isn't how it's supposed to work. And I'm sitting there thinking, no, it is how it's supposed to work. This is democracy in action. But the swamp has conditioned us to some really bad habits and behavior. So even people who are genuine conservatives and very thoughtful news commentators were kind of duped. And it's been interesting to see over the last several days that the conservative commentary on this has really come home, so to speak where we realize we need to talk like conservatives rather than how the establishment wants us to talk. Well, that's a great point. You know, and part of it is, so I remember being on Lou Dobbs when I was first getting started in, in media and I was trying to explain the appropriations process. And he asked me point blank, Lisa, do you think the audience's eyes are glazed over? And I 
it was like, uh, <laughs> and I hadn't thought about it. I thought it was interesting, you know, but, but so part of the challenge in communicating a lot of this is explaining, you know, trying to get across of why all this stuff matters and why they want, you know, why we should be taking back the, the reins of power, you know, and, and part of that, you know, when you had mentioned the budget and we look at this, you know, $1.7 trillion omnibus, We've got trillions of dollars spent during COVID on quote unquote relief, which went to, you know, things like building uh, stadiums and stuff like that. Uh, You know, you've got, uh, you know, we know Congress can't read, uh, you know, 4,000 and 155 pages and, you know, a matter of a couple of, you know, an hour's right. Uh, And then so anyway, so so we've got like this failure to pass appropriations bills. We've got all this spending. Uh, How do you explain to the American people, you know, I guess why uh, an over $31 trillion debt matters or, or why in appropriations getting those bills done in the, in the regular order for appropriations process matters. Yeah, I think the way we, we sometimes explain it, and, and I'm guilty of this, is is you divide up the $31 trillion by the number of Americans and you say, you see, it matters. It's a really big number. And I tried this out on my own kids and they looked at me and said, Dad, um, that's so much money, I can't even comprehend it. And I think most Americans react that way, that, that so many zeros after the 31, they can't comprehend it. So I think the, the much more effective way is to draw the connection between spending that money on different examples of plans, whether it be your tax money on a, you know, on a football stadium halfway across the country. That football stadium might be a good idea for those people there. Let them pay for it rather than me. Or as, as sort of my favorite examples, Lisa, the amount of money we're spending on ridiculous programs in education that just on their face aren't about education. They're really about a very radical agenda very few Americans agree with. In other words, to show that the whole process is built to be not transparent. And we know that anything that doesn't have the light of day generally is not going to be good, especially when it's in Washington, D.C., And then when you get to the actual nuts and bolts of the budget, not only just the sheer size of it, but the examples of what we're spending money on, for that matter, including some defense programs, which is a a real sensitive point for Republicans who are defense hawks, you begin to understand that this whole process is oriented around making the most power, creating the most power in Washington, D.C. Freedom is a zero-sum game. It's, you know, if if it's a pie and the government's taking seven-eighths of that, we only get one-eighth. We're not able to make a bigger pie. And so what we have to understand is that there is a direct correlation between the lack of transparency in the process plus the amount of money being spent and a decrease in our own self-governance. Quick break. Back with Dr. Kevin Roberts. From BBC Radio 4, Britain's biggest paranormal podcast is going on a road trip. I thought... In that moment, oh my God, we've summoned something from this board. This is Uncanny USA. He says, somebody's in the house, and I screamed. Listen to Uncanny USA wherever you get your BBC podcasts, if you dare. Hey everyone, it's Ted from Consumer Cellular, the guy in the orange sweater, and this is your wake-up call. 
If you're paying too much for wireless service, you don't have to keep having that nightmare. Consumer Cellular has the same fast, reliable coverage as the leading carriers for less. And for a limited time, new customers receive their second month free when they sign up and use promo code MONTHFREE by May 31st. So why keep spending more than you have to? Seriously, wake up and call 1-888-FREEDOM or visit ConsumerCellular.com. Taxes, fees, and other third-party charges will apply. See website for additional details. This is it. Your moment. This is your time to make your comeback with Purdue Global. When you come back with a Purdue Global degree, you create opportunity for yourself, your family, and your future. It's a degree you can be proud of, a degree that employers will trust and respect. Purdue Global offers working adults like you over 175 flexible degree programs to meet your specific career goals. These include associate, bachelor's, master's, and doctoral degrees and certificates. Purdue Global degree programs range from nursing to business to communication and more. Whatever your interest, we have the degree that will move you forward. You have the knowledge. You have the experience. Now it's time to get credit for the work you've done and earn the recognition you deserve with Purdue Global, Purdue's online university for working adults. You know you're worth it. We do too. So don't wait another second to get the degree that will take your career to the next level. Start your comeback today at purdueglobal.edu. I hope more people have opened their eyes because I, I know, you know, COVID was a real awakening moment of me of just realizing how little power we really have over our own lives these days, you know, and, and how much the people in charge, you know, how they don't believe in individual liberty and they don't believe in the things this country is supposed to stand for. So, you know, to your point, the more power that Congress cedes to the executive branch or, or the more that... Uh, these you know institutions don't do their jobs in the way they're supposed to. Uh, we end up in the position where we've were during COVID in the direction we're going in, where you know we really have a government that's working against us, whether for it as opposed to for us. Yeah, that's exactly right. And 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 to really underscore that point, I, I think about the natural reaction most conservatives have to Washington's power, and this is a this is a, a inclination. I'm just going to point out a flaw in it, and that inclination is to put more emphasis on state power, more emphasis on so-called local control. Well, the problem, you know, another two dots to connect, the problem with that amount of federal spending is that it begins to put guardrails on what states and localities can do. And so if we experience more direct influence over those elected officials who are closest to us, our city councilmen, our county commissioners, our state legislators, perhaps even our governors, if their own authority is being undermined by the amount of power that Washington has, then you begin to see the picture, which is that that dysfunction in Washington has a direct effect on us in our daily lives. Talk to, I mean, encourage your audience to do this. Talk to your city council member, Republican or Democrat or independent, and ask them, what's the, what's the influence of Washington spending on your town spending, on your city spending, it dominates it. And so what, what the government has tried to do is establish this one-to-one -one relationship with us, with each citizen. That's not what the founders wanted because what they wanted was to diffuse power as much as they could across many different communities and people so that it's never centralized. The process to sum up here and the spending are, are all very bad signs of of a rotten fruit, unfortunately. The power to, to your point. And also part of it is, you know, having, you know, governors and people who are willing to be fighters and stand up against the federal government. You know, I live in Florida, very thankful to have someone like Governor DeSantis, uh, who is not afraid to to have that fight. You know, I, I was arguing on, on Twitter a while back that 
conservative governor should form a coalition, like almost like the Freedom Caucus to some degree. Because, you know, we've got the RGA, but oftentimes, you know, they're not really challenging the federal powers as much as they should. And so, you know, having some sort of like collective group of conservative governors, because, uh, you know, we control so many trifectas throughout the country. I think that would go a long way of sort of banding together and, uh, you know, fighting the federal government <laughs> on a lot of these big issues. We need to do so much more of that. And and that's one of the things that we're trying to do at Heritage is has really helped to facilitate that kind of thing, especially in the two years left that we have in Biden's first term, not controlling both chambers of Congress that perhaps even more powerful than the majority in the House, even if that majority ends up being effective and bold and all those things. To your point is if we have five or, or a dozen conservative governors who are banding together. We've seen a little bit of that with the border security issue. You've, you've seen Governor DeSantis and Governor Nome, then Governor Ducey really help out Governor Abbott in Texas, who was bearing the brunt of, of Biden's nonsense at the border. We also saw it a little bit on health care back when Obamacare was a debate. But I'll also mention a, a huge success story, and it's, it's under Obama's clean power plan. There was a formal interstate compact, which has been used several times in our country's history, where about 10 or 12 states got together and said, we are just not going to implement these policies. That was crucial, even though that ended up being the Clean Power Plan just struck down in court. It was crucial to building a, a public awareness about how bad that policy is. So I think moving forward and quickly, we need to pick those two or three issues where we could really help band some conservative governors together to, to paraphrase Buckley here, stand athwart history and, and say, stop. Conservative governors even holding a press conference together and saying, this is how we're going to keep the government in check on even during COVID or, or whatever the issue is. And they're all saying the same thing, all holding the line that says a lot more than, you know, just a, an individual governor waging these fights and then getting bludgeoned by, you know, a, a progressive media and uh, people that are carrying the water for the left, uh, which is a lot of people these days. You know, I, I wanted to ask you, uh, looking ahead, looking at this 118th Congress, what do you want to see from Republican-led House well, I, I want to see a, a good combination of three things. First, oversight and a proper amount of oversight. I'll explain a little bit what I mean by that. Secondly, some shorter term uh, tactical victories, which I know may die in the Senate, but it, it's important for the House Republicans to exert the control that they have. And then thirdly, one or two long term visionary bills that, of course, we know will not pass the Senate. And even if they did, would be vetoed by Biden. But I'm going to start with those. And the reason is that I think the greatest thing that's missing in the conservative movement right now is an aspirational vision of what a more conservative governance looks like. And so at Heritage, we're, we're, we're helping to write a bill that would eliminate the U.S. Department of Education. Now, you and I both know that if that happens, it's going to be take a lot of years. But that's the kind of thing that, as one example, the House Republicans should pass because it will show Americans this is the fix to all the things you're feeling in your local school districts. The, the more tactical, short-term knife fighting, as I like to call it, would be things like refusing to implement any program in the Department of Homeland Security that's not zealously focused on border security, refusing to fund the 87,000 IRS agents. I know that that money's been allocated for the current budget cycle, but going back to our conversation about the Rules Committee, 
if there are conservatives on that rules committee, not to sort of too deeply in inside baseball here, there is a way to retract that funding and, and instead go hire more border patrol agents. These aren't just messaging bills. They actually can improve the quality of lives for many Americans, especially on the border. But then the first thing I mentioned, which is oversight, something that, that Heritage is doing through our oversight project, we need to make sure that the House Republicans are picking two or three gigantic oversight battles. I happen to think they're about the border, the FBI, maybe some of the diversity, equity, and inclusion nonsense in education. And we need to have them conduct investigations about those things. But it cannot just be investigations. If, if all we're doing is putting on a show for conservative media outlets, Heritage has no interest in that. We want those oversight investigations to lead to policy change, ultimately, so that we restore freedom to the American people. Some combination of those three things, I think, not only will be successful and actually mildly improve Americans' lives this year, but very importantly for the 2024 election cycle, it's going to show candidates for every office, from president down to state legislature, the kinds of things you need to talk about in order to build a governing majority. Something like the Benghazi committee where it's just sort of a, you know, we need something like a church committee or, you know, where we're having sort of methodical, thoughtful conversations and also structural ways that we want to change things moving forward. Because I really think the only way this country survives, in my opinion, is to have people in government that are dedicated to destroying government. Because uh, we've just gotten so big. We've lost so much control of our lives. We've lost so much liberty during COVID. I mean, it just escalated so quickly that the only way that the republic survives is people that want to destroy government. That's <laughs> just the way I see it. Yeah, that's exactly right. And, and we both run the risk of being called insurrectionist for saying that, including by some former conservatives. But the, the, the point you're making is a crucial one. Any member of a previous political generation in this country, and I dare say Republican or Democrat, who was plopped into this era that we're in looking at the power and, and sort of nefarious exercise of that power by government, especially during COVID, would be horrified. And so anyone who's in elected office, whether it's state legislature, but especially in D.C., needs to have the mindset, especially toward the administrative state, of destroying it. And I even this very day, Lisa, I said something like that. And someone said, you know, some smart guy said, well, that doesn't sound very conservative. And I'm thinking, oh, my gosh, we have so much work to do in, in helping Americans understand that this republic is very far gone. You know, we, we might be in the last chapter. I happen to think we're we're not in the last chapter, but we're at that pivot point and that, that climax of the plot where the good guys have to rise up. Otherwise, we're going to lose it. All right. Quick commercial break. More with the president of the Heritage Foundation. From BBC Radio 4, Britain's biggest paranormal podcast is going on a road trip. I thought in that moment, oh, my God, we've summoned something from this board. This is Uncanny USA. He says, somebody's in the house. And I screamed. Listen to Uncanny USA wherever you get your BBC podcasts, if you dare. This is it, your moment. This is your time to make your comeback with Purdue Global. 
When you come back with a Purdue Global degree, you create opportunity for yourself, your family, and your future. It's a degree you can be proud of, a degree that employers will trust and respect. Purdue Global offers working adults like you over 175 flexible degree programs to meet your specific career goals. These include associate, bachelor's, master's, and doctoral degrees and certificates. Purdue Global degree programs range from nursing to business to communication and more. Whatever your interest, we have the degree that will move you forward. You have the knowledge. You have the experience. Now it's time to get credit for the work you've done and earn the recognition you deserve with Purdue Global. Purdue's online university for working adults. You know you're worth it. We do too. So don't wait another second to get the degree that will take your career to the next level. Start your comeback today at purdueglobal.edu. If a new house is on your wish list in the next five years, grow your savings faster and experience your dreams with an Ohio Homebuyer Plus account from Kemba Financial Credit Union. A savings account specifically designed to save for a new home where you can earn 7% APY, a $500 matching bonus, and a $1,500 mortgage closing cost credit. Learn more at Kemba.org. Offer expires March 31st, 2025. APY equals annual percentage yield. Restrictions apply. NMLS 292230. Equal housing lender. Federally insured by NCUA. Well, I mean, if you really look at what's holding us together, it's, you know, things like the First Amendment, which they're destroying, as we saw with the FBI working with big tech to essentially skirt the First Amendment to violate it. Uh, You know, Second Amendment, you know, these things that still give individual liberty and still give power to the people, uh, which is why, you know, obviously they're trying to destroy it. Uh, But, you know, to to your point, it's really, you know, we're kind of hanging on to a structural, like a structural skeleton is really what we've got left uh, of holding us together. Um, You know, how difficult do you think, uh, you know, regardless if it's, you know, McCarthy, whoever the speaker is, it's going to be very difficult to obviously keep. I think there's 222 in line uh, to to try to not even in line, you know, really just to try to hear the interest of all of its members and, you know, kind of come together on stuff. Uh, what do you think that's going to look like? Well, it's going to go one of two ways. If the, the, I'll give you the worst case scenario first, although I think it's a little more likely to go better. The worst case scenario is it's totally dysfunctional because the, the Democrats are so good at driving wedges into Republican caucuses. And obviously they've got the, the complicit nature of the media. Um, and then, of course, Republicans can can do that to themselves, too. And if that's the case, then there will be very little that happens. And, uh, you know, Biden's handlers end up running a good reelection campaign and there's a real race in 24. I happen to think that and I'm mildly in this camp, that there is a decent shot that if the Republicans focus on some combination of, of what I mentioned, very selective, persistent oversight and investigations that lead to policy reforms on the border, the FBI, for example, very important focus on fiscal restraint, and then one or two other big issues that are, you know, they're not going to pass the Senate. The president's not going to sign them, but you're giving the American people a sense of what the left is obstructing with all of their nonsense, then I think that that looks successful. The open question is, is there enough courage in House leadership and Senate leadership on the Republican side to make that happen? That's where the work that you do that we do at Heritage, that regular Americans do is so important. I know that many people are on the brink of despair. Many people are fatigued or on the brink of fatigue. I'm just letting you know, and there's no a hollow optimism here, I promise you that, 
now is the time to dig deep because if we can get this very slim kind of wobbly Republican majority in the House to do just some fraction of that, then not only are we going to make Americans' lives better now, we're going to set the foundation for 2024, which may be the last presidential election we have to take the republic back. You look at the mail-in ballot stuff happening as well. I really think that this is the last election that a Republican could win. And, and you really have to have a flawless candidate running a flawless campaign, making no mistakes, head down, hardworking, disciplined, and, and executing or, you know, uh, ex- executing on, on every level at full cylinders. And, and to the point, you know, of trying to get things done with such a small majority in the House, you know, it really does come down to leadership. And, and if you have good leaders, it works. I mean, you look at the state of Florida, Governor DeSantis won by 20 points, even looking at Texas, you know, Abbott cleaned up these people who have had the chance to lead with Republican, you know, politics, Republican uh, policy positions can win the challenges in the House and the Senate. We have leaders. But they're not being the one. They're not the ones that are being trusted with power. You know, we do have transformational people. You know, in the House, you've got people like Chip Roy or even you know Thomas Massey, who really proved himself during COVID to be a leader. You know, Rand Paul in the Senate. We, we've got guys that can do it. It's just you know they're not the ones being trusted with power is the problem. That's the problem, and and that's why you know at Heritage, I'm so grateful we have a a 501c4, a campaign arm, heritage action that's very active in, in all of these debates. And and I guess the one bit of, of uh, optimism that I would inject into your, your sober and accurate diagnosis is I, as I look at the ranks of state legislators on the conservative side, as I look at the 1,300 new conservative school board members, our movement is building a bench that's going to fill the potentially fill the ranks of, of members of the House and Senate. I think about J.D. Vance coming into the Senate. We need to get to the point and soon where we're, we don't even have time to talk about the long list of people who are like J.D. and my good friend Chip Roy and Thomas Massey. But I believe that 2024 is going to be that, that, that pivot cycle, not just one where the right defeats the left, but one where, as evidenced over the speaker battle, the right settles some scores internally and realizes what time it is in America. And and the time that it is, is that it's, it's not time to be a moderate establishment Republican. It's time to go to Congress and govern on behalf of your people and their own freedoms. Uh, upset with the fight that's happening now, you know, one, in addition to being processed, it's also sort of a battle over the Republican Party. And then secondly, we're, we're not in status quo times anymore. You know, I mean, we're in a completely different period of American history where you know, as, as we're talking, it, will the Republic continue to stand? I mean, this isn't, you know, this isn't 10 years ago where you could get away with the status quo figure. I mean, this is a time where we are hanging on by a thread. And so if there was ever a time to have these fights, to, to, to battle it out, to, you know, be strong, to be messy, uh, you know, now's the time because we, we don't have any time left. It's, you know, sadly, it's like... No, com- com- completely. I mean, I'm a natural optimist. I think that comes from my faith. Um, as I, I tell people, I, I'll hopefully win in the next life, but this life seems to be a little bit in question. On my most optimistic days, I say we've got two election cycles to take the country back. I think more and more it might just be that very next one. And and to your point, the status quo is terrible for free people. And think about, you've, you've referenced COVID a couple of times, the United States of America just deferring, even under a friendly administration, I dare say, to the World Health Organization. Hopefully, as conservatives, we realize 
most institutions in this country and around the world have been co-opted by the left, and we have to have the attitude of building our own, which includes rebuilding our own movement in the Republican Party. I, I more than think, I know that this is going on. The question is, will it, will it succeed quickly enough for it to bear fruit to save the republic. Such an awakening moment for me. I, I think I sort of previously kind of took advantage of the fact we're a free nation and, and sort of thinking that we're always going to be free and somehow we're immune to tyranny. And then COVID really just uh, awakened me in the sense of uh, we're not, you know, we are immune or we're not immune. And, uh, you know, so that's why all these fights, even small ones, uh, are important. And so, you know, it's, it's, it was just an awakening for me. And I, I think for a lot of people, I hope as well, uh, you know, Kevin, this has been a really interesting conversation. Is, is there anything I'm missing that you want to convey to the audience in, in the conversation that we've had? Anything important that you think people should know as we you know, look ahead here? In terms of timeline and taking the republic back, yes, what the House Republicans do this spring, this year is really important. It, it really is. But I would argue that even more important than that will be the handful of legislative sessions in states that are really influential. So the legislative agendas in Georgia, in Florida, in Texas, other places I'm not thinking of right now with, with good legislators and governors, if those are successful, that's the blueprint for reestablishing common sense and freedom in the country. And so I would just encourage people to pay as much attention to those and be as involved in those as they are in federal politics. What's going on in DC in the last several days has been important. It isn't that it's a sideshow. It's just that we're better off when we're making that kind of policy progress in our state capitals, because that's going to become the policy agenda for the next time, if we get a next time for significant conservative control in DC. Not in your state and local politics matters as much, if not probably more than you know, some of these conversations we're having on the federal level. And I've got not given up hope either. I still think we can turn the ship around. It's just we need to, as your point, we need to be aware of what time it is and what's going on in the country. Kevin Roberts, appreciate your voice. Appreciate the work you're doing. Thank you for fighting for freedom. And thanks for coming on the show. I really appreciate your time, sir. My pleasure. We'll keep fighting. Take care. That was Kevin Roberts, president of the Heritage Foundation, which with what I think is an important conversation about the, the future of the country, how we take power back from the government. I hope you enjoyed it. I want to thank you at home for listening. I want to thank John Cassio, my producer, for putting the show together every Monday and Thursday, but you can listen throughout the week. Feel free to leave us a review, leave us a rating on Apple Podcasts. I always enjoy reading those. Until next time. I'm Katia Adler, host of The Global Story. Over the last 25 years, I've covered conflicts in the Middle East, political and economic crises in Europe, drug cartels in Mexico. Now I'm covering the stories behind the news all over the world in conversation with those who break it. Join me Monday to Friday to find out what's happening, why, and what it all means. Follow The Global Story from the BBC wherever you listen to podcasts. 
two-thirds of Americans are at risk to experience a blackout. Are you ready to protect your family? You could be. With the Patriot Power Solar Generator 2000X, this new solar generator has double the capacity and is expandable so you can run the big appliances like your fridge even longer. Best of all, this new solar generator is fume-free, safe to use inside, and never needs gas ever. Over 150,000 Americans trust Patriot Power Generators. Go to 4 slash Lisa to get your solar generator now. You'll even get a solar panel included free. Go to 4 slash Lisa. If a new house is on your wish list in the next five years, grow your savings faster and experience your dreams with an Ohio Homebuyer Plus account from Kemba Financial Credit Union, a savings account specifically designed to save for a new home where you can earn 7% APY, a $500 matching bonus, and a $1,500 mortgage closing cost credit. Learn more at Kemba.org. Offer expires March 31st, 2025. APY equals annual percentage yield. Restrictions apply. NMLS 292230. Equal housing lender. Federally insured by NCUA. 